Thank you for joining us here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio, whether online or on broadcast, in your homes or wherever you may be. We want you to know that you are more than welcome to be a part of the life of this church. And we want you to know that we want you to meet Jesus today. In order for this to happen regularly, we need your support. We need your prayers and we need your financial gifts. Please continue to give and be a part of what we do today. Turn with me now to the listening guide. Find 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. We've been reading this together all week long. And we're going to now read it aloud as a part of the service. So if you would, stand with me and let's read this aloud. This then is the text for today. Finally, brethren... Pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. May God bless the reading of His Word. The spectacle of a track meet is unlike anything else. On one side, you have folks sprinting for a hundred yards down the track, and then on the other, someone throwing a javelin down away from them. And as we consider what goes on in and around a track meet, there are all kinds of, of analogies for life that we can find in that setting. But there's one in particular we want you to notice today as we come to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, a particular way that the Apostle Paul notes that our life and our life as believers resembles a track meet. See, at a track meet, there, becomes, there comes a moment where uh, somewhere along the way in the middle, a whole army of volunteers descend down upon the track and they start dragging out all of the hurdles that need to be set. Their intention is to further complicate the race that had just been run. In fact, what you see, you'll see uh, someone run the 400 meters and they'll run it without the hurdles. Then later, the hurdles will be set And another group will run the 400 meters with the hurdles all along the way. And as we understand it, as we live our life, as we come to the Scriptures, this is what much of life feels like. There are certain days that it seems as though as soon as we get out of bed, somebody has set a hurdle at our bedside. That there are random people dragging all kinds of hurdles into our pathway as we try to live out this life that we have been called to live. You see, in the track meet, there's people lining up to run the hurdles. But in our lives, we do everything possible to avoid them. In fact, in this week's text, there's two separate verses with two separate words 
that are seemingly unrelated but point to this very fact. So first, one is in the initial prayer request of the apostle. We come to 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1. He, he asked them, then the church there, to pray for him and, and, and pray for those he's working with. And, and he says that as you pray for us, this is how I want you to pray. I want you to pray that the gospel, the word of God would spread rapidly across this entire place. Now, this is peculiar, and it draws our attention to the track. The, the way this is worded, the, to, to, to run swiftly in this way, as Paul is saying, the, the gospel needs to, to run quickly towards its end. It's, it's a word picture in the Greek of a race, running a race around a track that is completely unhindered, that there's nothing in the way. And, and this is what, what Paul is asking. He says, when you pray for me, I want you to pray for the effectiveness of the gospel, that when you pray for me, the, the gospel would be swift and powerful, like there's nothing in its way, no hurdle that it has to cross, and it will be as quick as it could possibly be in the life of the people that we're ministering to. Pray that the gospel is the one who is swift, unquestionably quick to be first in this race. You see, the, the picture here is of a fast track where a, a runner can sprint without any worry of complication. It's, it's clear of every hurdle that was set for previous events so that the Word of God will have the fastest time possible. Paul is saying, pray that the gospel is faster than an Olympic sprinter accomplishing its purpose. He wants the gospel. He longs for the story and message of Jesus Christ to be the most effective, powerful, and quickest thing in the life of those he's ministering to. He's praying, as he's in Corinth here, as he writes this, that the gospel would pour down out of heaven and be faster than any other word in the lives of the people at Corinth. More effectual than anything they have ever known. May the gospel be that quick. This prayer is convicting in, in the life of the church. Because I rarely hear this prayer in myself that the gospel would be so quick. I, I rarely hear this prayer in the life of the church that the gospel would be the quickest and most effective message known in this world. And, and as Paul finishes that statement, he, he, he says, let, let this be the winner crowned with the glory of heaven. You see, that, that's, that's the, the Paul's prayer request of them. He says, when you pray for me, Pray that the gospel would be glorious as the victor and standing above everything else as the truth quickest made known. May the gospel be swift and unencumbered. Now, when you move down to verse 5, so that's verse 1. When you move down to verse 5, you, you find a similar sentiment in a different word. You see, as you get to verse 5, Paul is no longer saying, pray for me. He's writing a prayer over the Thessalonians. And he says, this then is my prayer for you. 
And he prays over them. And he starts that prayer in verse 5. May the Lord direct. And don't you hear in that word, this directing of God, it's, it's similar to before. As the spread of the gospel, there is this sense that it means when the Lord directs you, he doesn't just point you in the right direction, which he does. He points you in the right direction, but then ahead of you, he moves away every obstacle that would be in your way so that you could carry out that which you're called to do at the pace with which you are supposed to do it. May the Lord direct you, move all the obstructions from the path that's in front of you. You see, in this, there's this acknowledgement that God has as a specific place and path in store. But when, when we live this, and this lived out in the church, it's difficult because this life that God has called us to live, it feels more like a steeplechase than a sprint. We know that Paul here is praying that God's character would mean he would remove every obstacle that stands in front of them. And when we think about the physical life that we live and we think about what what we've been called to do and who we've been called to be in this world and in this physical space that we live in, it it seems like there's obstacles everywhere. And as Paul prays this over them, it's hard for us to imagine what is life without a hurdle? What is life that's not a steeplechase? What what is Paul praying over them that God would direct them so as to remove every obstacle that's in front of them? You see, when it it comes to these varied obstacles, it it does feel like a steeplechase. There's there's 28 barriers in the steeplechase. Seven water jumps that you have to go through. When When you have this clear track, it, it seems like you can sprint to the finish line. But, but all of us in this physical life that, that we've lived, it seems like everything has just become this gauntlet of obstacles that we're supposed to traverse. So when, when Paul comes to the, praying over them, the Thessalonians, he says, may the Lord direct you. May, may the Lord remove every barrier. There's a particular nature to this prayer that we need to make note of. Because as he does, he, he says, may the Lord direct your heart. And, and there's this sense that may the Lord direct your heart heavenward. And so first and foremost, if there are any barriers between your heart and the affections of heaven, may God remove those. You see in this prayer, he says, may the Lord direct your heart into the, the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. So that relationship is as clear as possible. It's interesting, too, here that you see both Paul, who is in Corinth, is dealing with persecution. And we know earlier in the letter of the Thessalonians that the Thessalonians are dealing with real persecution in their lives and their church as well. And so there's this significant other issue that's around them in, in living this faithful life. It, it's, it's almost as if they're, they're on this track and, and they're racing forward. But as they are, there, there's hurdles, there's water jumps, but, but it's even more than that. It's, it's almost as if hidden in every turn is a middle linebacker who runs out onto the track and just wipes you out when you come around the corner. You see, as Paul is, is asking for prayers early, he says, when you're praying for me, remember there are perverse and evil men. Who, who try to take us out every step because they don't want the gospel to succeed. 
And these, these perverse and evil men are coming after me, and these perverse and evil men, they're coming after you, and they're just coming out of nowhere, and they're coming off often. He says, we pray against those perverse and evil ones who want to fight the gospel. He says, pray for me, and I will pray for you. Not just to clear the steeplechase barriers, but for God to clear the dishonest ones who are hidden in the shadows to wipe us out. And so he continues that prayer. But, but I, I want you to, to notice as this begins to move out, he, he takes it out of the physical and moves it into the spiritual. And this is something we have to recognize together, moving this out of the, this physical realm up into the spiritual realm. The, the, the prayer is for all of these perverse and evil ones to be removed. But it's this sense of Satan and his minions are banned. That Satan and his minions are taken out of the track and Christ is put into their place. That this is, this is more than, than about a physical confrontation, but of spiritual warfare and removing Satan and his hindrances from our lives. Now, we come back to where Paul prays for them in verse 5. And, and he says, may the Lord direct you and may the Lord direct your hearts. And, and we take that to mean God's clearing out all these obstacles and all these hurdles that are in front of you. But I don't want us to misunderstand this. I want us to recognize this, this ascension out of the, the physical nature of things into the spiritual nature of things and what God is ultimately doing. So I don't want us to, uh, to misunderstand this finish line because when we talk about a track and we talk about a finish line, often we think about it in these terms where in our minds and, and in our hearts, we have this sort of imagined life that's in front of us where we, we can imagine a kind of finish line that's out there. This is, this is a finish line that we want to have of all the things that we want to do in our life and, and all the things that we hope to accomplish in our lives and, and all the things that we want to see God do in our life. And so we, we see this path that leads down a way to an imagined finish line. And, and even in this prayer, there is this sense of the Apostle Paul mo moving their vision uh, up out of the physical and, and our imagined finish lines into something else. Because it's almost as if in this prayer, it's not really about the hurdles and burdens of this physical world that are out in front of us. It's about removing first every bar barrier that, 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 stands between us and our God. So, so when he says, may the Lord direct your heart into the love of God, it is this, this movement of your heart upward and, and the mercy of God flowing down of heaven upon your life. And he's praying, if there's any barrier that keeps me from knowing that, if there's any barrier that keeps the church from remembering that and experiencing that, wipe all of those things out of the air. It got kind of the same thing with the, with the steadfastness of Christ. This is a perseverance that he's praying, praying over them. But it's not as much about their perseverance. It's about Jesus Christ who stands as a mediator between them and heaven and the perseverance of Christ will remain forever because of who he is and what he's done. And, and so he's, he's praying that every hurdle, every barrier, everything that, that keeps us from having a deepening relationship with our Lord, may all of, that thing, all of those things be wiped away and be cleared out of our lives. And when that happens, when, when these, these vertical hurdles get wiped out, all of the hurdles on the horizon look a lot smaller and feel a lot less. That when we're living in the love of God and we know the steadfastness of Christ, there's nothing that this world can throw at us that matters because everything is going this way 
and my heart is connected to heaven, not directly to some physical finish line that's in front of me. So, and in this way, I think Paul is praying differently than most of us would expect him to do because I think most of us expect that perseverance to be about the race here and now, the physical things that we have to deal with. But what he's doing is the finish line is transformed from what we expect our lives to look like into the throne room of God. The, the finish line of human accomplishment is swallowed up completely in God's glory. So that that we're directed into the the love of God and and the steadfastness of Jesus Christ rather than any personal effort. You know, I think most of us when we we hear these words and and these analogies that he's using about a track and running a race, that we picture God coming down and blessing our quadriceps so that we might run quickly, faster than Usain Bolt through this life, that we picture something like a transformation of our legs so that there is physical accomplishment. Rather, what he's praying for is a transformation of our heart and the accomplishment of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians really may be something more like this, where as we're running on this track of life and we're caught in that loop of, of effort and human accomplishment over and over and over again, it, it's almost as if Christ pulls us to the side and says, I've already completed the race. Where he pulls us to the side and he says, I want you to recognize the love of your heavenly Father that has already been poured out on you so that you don't have to run in circles anymore. You, you don't have to face these hurdles by yourself anymore. You don't don't have to run alone. In fact, Christ has already become the victor and the race is done. We've been redeemed out of the tyranny of the physical race because the love of God has already gone before us. See, once you recognize, when we read of this love of God and he prays over them, "May may the Lord direct your heart into the love of God. It's the sense that while we were enemies, while we were running away from God or we were running against God, Christ came to finish for us, giving us everything that we need at the crucifixion. See, Paul is praying over them. He says, I want you to experience the Christ who has already persevered. The the perseverance that needed to happen for your salvation happened 2,000 years ago. There is no more human effort necessary for your salvation. It happened in the Passion Week towards the cross when Christ was crucified for your sake so that you would have life and have it abundantly. And what Paul's praying over them is, I want you to know this and experience this and taste this. And they would realize among themselves that Christ has already run the grueling race so that we might be saved. You know, as this unfolds, everything that needed to be done for your salvation happened at the cross of the Christ. The effort that needed to be expended for your redemption was pouring out of Christ as those sweat drops of blood hit the, the ground of the garden. Nothing else needs to happen. You see, what, what Paul prays for here is that the church would know that God would, would open our hearts and our minds to this new reality and this new life in Christ Jesus. 
That we're, we're no longer fighting through barriers alone. We, we no, no longer have to worry about linebackers coming in the corner. That God would remind them again, I love you. And you are saved in the steadfastness of Jesus Christ. You're safe. Your effort is no longer needed for peace. It was completed in Jesus Christ. See, I want you to recognize in these prayers is, is Paul asks for prayer requests and as he prays over them, Paul, Paul doesn't pray for his own swiftness. He doesn't say, God, make me very fast so that I could run faster than Peter. He says, God, may your gospel be swift and effective, faster than anyone on this earth. As he prays over the church, he doesn't pray that they would be strong. He doesn't pray that they would finish working out their own salvation but that they would know the perseverance of Jesus Christ, what He completed in the Passion Week for them. That if you understand that first, then every obstacle, no matter what it is in front of you, it'll be minuscule compared to what Christ did on the cross. You know, we, we have a great difficulty here, though, as, as we examine our lives. It's, it's hard for us to make that connection between the physical and the spiritual, and we wonder, then, if this is so, that as, as, they, as Paul prays over the, the Thessalonians here, if that is so of the nature and character of God, then why do hurdles abound? Well, why does it feel like someone is sticking hurdles all over my path? It's hard for us to imagine our life without randomized obstacles all over the place. But don't you recognize, and this is exactly why Paul is praying over them, that, that their eyes would be lifted away from the wind and waves, that, that their eyes would be taken off the physical obstacles that are in front of them to recognize the spiritual reality that's above them. That in Jesus Christ, perseverance is real and salvation is complete. You see, as they work down through this, he's, he's praying that, that the church, them and us, that, that we'll be reminded that if we look back, we'll see God has removed many obstacles. And we need to be re reminded of that. In the same way that, that we, we will know the perseverance of the Christ at the cross, may God allow us to, to experience the, the tragedy of the cross so that we'll know Sunday's resurrection. It, may God change our hearts and redirect our hearts so that we, we no longer view this world through the lens of physical obstacles. But that we'll recognize that Jesus has completed the race on our behalf for the glory of God, that the gospel might be proclaimed, that his blood was spilled so ours wouldn't have to be. You see, what he's praying over them is what we expect of the Spirit today in, in the work of this church, that, that we would experience this transformation of our heart into the love of God and steadfastness of Jesus Christ. And I hope you see and, and recognize in this with me that this, this prayer that Paul prays, or this blessing in, in 3.5, 
May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. That prayer is effectively lived out in the Lord's Supper. That as, as we take of the supper together, we consume the steadfastness of Christ. And as we take of this meal, we're, we're taking of this as a people who have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. So that which is in front of us or that which is above us is, is lived in Christ. And so we recognize that in these physical elements that we consume. It, it's all the way through the scriptures. We know that as a people, we are a forgetful people and we need constant reminders of the steadfastness of Christ. What he's praying over them, we need to be reminded of over and over again. And that, that's why Jesus left us these elements so that we might have together with him so that we would remember and not forget the work of Christ on the cross uh, of how Jesus Christ in that moment transforms our life from a race to a stroll, from the track to the trail, from, from, uh, from this endless circle of effort to walk in the woods to marvel at God's creation. You see, in, in and so we, we eat and we drink of the perseverance of Christ. His work in the cup and in the bread. Deacons, would you begin to prepare the supper as we pray? So as the deacons come to prepare the supper for us, there's a couple of things that I want you to know and to do with me. So one of those is we are going to pray, and we're going to pray in a particular way. We want to recognize together and remember together that which God has done for us. And so in a moment, I'm going to give just a couple of quick prayer prompts, and we're going to pray silently. So I'll give a prayer prompt. We'll have silent prayer. I'll give another prompt of silent prayer. And as we do, we pray that the Spirit will work in your heart and draw you in near to the Christ so that we could experience this work of Jesus, His perseverance together. So let us pray. Our Lord, we pray in this time that you would remind us of all of your wonderful work, of every way you have been merciful to Israel. Lord, remind us of every way you have been merciful to your church. Lord, re remind us of every way you have been merciful to us as individuals. Lord, remind us of your mercy. Lord, we know that as the glory of Christ is revealed over our lives, sins are illuminated. In Jesus' perfection, we're reminded of our own brokenness. And we come before you now and say, Father, forgive us.
Sin has worked its way into our hearts and into our lives and into this church. And Lord, we pray that you would wipe it clear and make it clean. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would move in these elements, that we would experience the Christ and be strengthened in his body and his blood. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.